Welcome to the What's Happening Compere Financial podcast series. Listen how Compere is committed to serving agriculture and rural America. Our guest for this episode is Compere Financial VP of Appraisal, Mike Morris. Mike, as we talk about what's happening with land values, boy, it's sure been a, a crazy past two to three years with the, the land market. And I don't know if we need to spend a lot of time on what's transpired in the past 12 to 24 months, uh, even maybe like back to 36 months, uh, or, or really spend more time focusing on what's ahead for land values. But um, I'll kind of just trust your expertise here on a, on a good starting point as we navigate our way through this very important subject. Sure. Uh, no, sounds good, Mark. I, I did a little bit of uh, research uh, in preparation for for our visit, and uh, you know, as appraisers, we get to kind of get tied up in a, a numbers game, so to speak. But as I look back from when we started, we, we do annual benchmark studies uh, as of July one. Uh, but back uh, in in 2021, uh, we we extended that program and, and started really looking at values every month. To, to determine, you know, are we seeing, uh, you know, major movements, you know, through a, a shorter period of time or not. But, you know, as you look back, really, you know, uh, the, those benchmarks have changed, uh, you know, since since uh, 21, uh, you know, middle of summer 21 in Illinois, we've got them tracking up 35 percent. Uh, in Minnesota, 34%, and Wisconsin, 29%. Now, there's different drivers in each of those states. Uh, Illinois and, and Minnesota tend to be more uh, based on cropland. Uh, Wisconsin, uh, you know, the cropland benchmarks have been up uh, quite a bit there, but also the, the the benchmarks that would be more in the dairy areas and support land are, have, have moved up, but kind of in, in a different uh, you know, at a different clip over over different periods of time. So you mentioned, especially in Illinois and Minnesota, cropland. Uh, I would assume that what's supported the market here in the last couple of years, really good commodity prices, just a, a strong farm economy, right? That's correct, Mark. Uh, you know, you can about plot land values uh, with uh, corn prices, for instance, or you know, corn soybeans combination of, but you know, really, as, as we look at the stronger uh, cropland areas, uh, you know, again, southern Minnesota, uh, e even areas southern, uh, you know, and around, Mad you know, around the Madison area in Wisconsin and in Illinois, uh, you know, those there's really been a strong market. For the higher quality cropland, uh, now some of the other uh, types of land, you know, less, you know, less fertile or less productive, have, have kind of tracked along, but maybe not quite to the extent, uh, you know, the, that those excellent quality soils have. And it's kind of funny, but we've also seen a, a really strong demand for recreational land for, uh, you know, hunting. Uh, you know, place to go on the weekends, drive the four-wheelers and so forth. So, uh, again, that's a different market. Uh, you know, that's generally fueled by, uh, you know, take-home pay, you know, in, in more of the, the urban areas. So we're seeing kind of a, 
kind of a mixed bag there from uh, you know on, on both ends being being very strong. You talked about these benchmarks and seeing growth of more than 30 percent. Uh, obviously, we can't use any visuals in this conversation, but as I think about you know a chart that shows the growth of farmland values, a lot of peaks. Are we starting to flatten out at all, Mike? I I, I did a little bit of research in that also, and and as I look from you know, I've kind of broke it down two ways. One is just looking from uh, July of 22 to see, you know, what did the markets do a after that? And and again, you know, Illinois is, is up uh, a little over 9%, Minnesota a little over 8 and Wisconsin about 6.5%. But if you kind of break it down to, uh, you know, that would be through the end of 22, if you look at uh, January through March uh, of this year, uh, you know we're, we're still seeing some modest increases, maybe, maybe a couple percent in Illinois and and three and a half to four in Minnesota and Wisconsin. But you know the the trend really kind of back to November seems to be stable to uh, a, a slight increase and. In, and some of the benchmarks have actually uh, trended down just a, just a tad, but uh, again, I would call it right now a, a fairly stable market. Now, you, you also have to think of that in context of this is not the typical sales season uh, in, in most of the cropland areas. Uh, you know, we, we usually have a very strong fall, uh, you know, a fairly active uh, up to about March 1st. And then farmers start thinking about, you know, getting their machinery ready, uh, you know, uh, planning, uh, you know, those those things that go with kind of spring planting season. So I, I think attention gets diverted for a while, uh, and then you know expect to see some activity in summer through uh, through next fall. In reporting on this subject, uh, I've heard experts like you point to some uncertainties in the farm economy, uh, input prices continue to escalate, uh, maybe uh, not as much confidence in commodity prices, and you have interest rates that continue to climb. Are those the major headwinds that you see? Yeah, I, one of the things I looked at last year, you know, as we went into the Ukrainian crisis and so forth was, uh, and, and what uh, you know, fuel prices were doing, and, and fertilizer prices. I I really thought we were going to have some some extremely strong headwinds. I, I think those were not as strong as anticipated, at least you know on the fuel and fertilizer side. Uh, I I don't think it went quite as you know those went quite as high as as maybe some of the some of the experts uh, had, had believed. Uh, you know, as far as interest rates. I I don't think that has has become a factor yet in in our markets. Uh, it, it certainly has in you know rural residential, urban residential, but in the farmland markets, I, I think you know with with a strong coming out of a strong year in in you know 21 and 22 uh, that that there's still a, a a large amount of cash you know capital available and. and so a lot of the land sales that, that we've seen have not been financed. They've been uh, purchased for cash. So it hasn't it hasn't uh, had a had an effect yet on the overall market. I'm sure for some people 
you know, if they have to leverage, uh, you know, to, to buy land that, uh, you know, it might, it, it might affect some of their decisions, but I don't think it has on the overall market quite yet. If you were to drill down into Compeer territory, so Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, and identify certain areas where maybe there's a, a lot of movement and land turnover, and then some factors behind that, uh, any places you'd point out? Um, it, it's been fairly general, but uh, it seems like we've seen a really active market uh, on the west side of Illinois, uh, and, and that would be kind of in that uh, uh, Macomb, Monmouth, uh, Galesburg areas. Um, there, there's been some, you know, some fairly high sales in, in northern Illinois. Uh, in a couple of counties that, that historically don't have a lot of turnover. Uh, again, it's, it's been just kind of general and, and widespread. Uh, so it, it's hard to just say, hey, this is one area that, that has more activity than another, because it, it seems to ebb and flow quite a bit. And as you think about these farmland values and its impact on individual farming operations, uh, probably uh a broad impact, but anything in particular related to that you'd want to point out? Um, I, I think it's, you know, the, the thing I see, is, you know, if you're a, a, a local farmer, you know, uh, and, and you want to increase your land base, that there continues to be competition from uh, not only other farmers, but external sources. Uh, at least, you know, at least in Illinois, where, where you do have, uh, you know, uh, different institutions are able to, to buy land. So I, I think that that probably, uh, you know, continues to, even though the institutions haven't been as active lately, uh, they're, they're always kind of looking. So I do think that, that that tends to maybe push values just a little bit. Uh, we've seen a little bit of that in Wisconsin also, you know, in the stronger, uh, you know, the cropland areas and, you know, areas like the Central Sands, you know, a highly irrigated area where there's some pretty big parcels. Uh, in, in the dairy uh, areas, uh, again, we saw a lot of smaller dairies uh, that, that probably got bought out by larger dairies to, you know, either use the land as increasing their land base or uh, maybe even using the improvements as kind of a, you know, auxiliary to, to what they're doing. Uh, so, it, it, you know, it, it really varies, but there, there does tend to be, seem to be a, a, a lot of demand from a lot of sources. So, again, uh, with a limited supply on the market, that's forcing people to pay a higher price to to get that property. Mike, give us a sense of what it's like for a client of Compeer Financial to work with Compeer, whether it's someone looking to purchase some ag land, maybe they're looking to sell, there could be some uh, rental negotiations and they just want some uh, some resources, they want somebody they can work with on, on this. Uh, how does Compeer do that? Yeah, there, there's a couple of things that, that we do, Mark. One is uh, we've, we've built some really good uh, tools to, uh, you know, that, that our, our financial officers can access that give them real-time information on their local land values. So, 
uh, you know, to the point that they can identify a farm, uh, get the, uh, the characteristics of that farm, including soil maps and so forth. But not only that, but then get a sense of, you know, what, what's the sales activity in that area and kind of a nice, neat, you know, little, uh, little report that, you know, again, it's not an appraisal, but it does give some sense of what, what's going on in the land markets. And, and we call that view, uh, you know, again, it's something that we've deployed uh, to our, you know, to our financial officers, uh, again, collaborating with a lot of appraisal data, uh, you know, in, included. And then if, if they really want, you know, more precision, uh, you know, around making a, you know, it, it's really a, a big decision to buy property. Uh, you know, we do provide appraisal services, uh, you know, if they really want to pin down the value. And uh, those, those are, uh, you know, appraisals based on market value. Uh, the appraisers generally are localized where they understand what's going on in those communities. And, you know, the appraisal just becomes a, a written report of, you know, that sales activity, but it relates it to that individual property. So, again, whether it's something a little more informal or something very formal, we, we have those abilities. What's a good starting point? Going to a website, making a phone call, what would you recommend? I think if, if their current customer uh, actually reaching out to their financial officer and say, hey, I'm, I'm curious to, to get, you know, a, a kind of a view of, of what's going on in our area. Uh, if, if they want to, you know, maybe even talk to an appraiser, uh, the best way is to, to go to compare.com and we do have a, a, an appraisal webpage within that. Uh, just, you know, uh, that's within the menu. And they can go and, and actually click on a county or put a county uh, and state in and find out who their appraiser is in that area. And, and uh, we've got email and, and phone contact information that they can reach out directly to them. Uh, and, you know, a, an email uh, may, you know, might be more comfortable with some people. And, and then establish a dialogue and, and really find out what their needs are, you know, whether it's an appraisal or just some, uh, some idea of what's going on. So there, there's a couple of different routes that uh, could get them in the same place. This is a, a very complex topic. Anything that we haven't talked about that you think we should? Um, you know, again, I think, you know, the, the thing I continue to see is uh, related to land values is that cash rents have, have continued to increase. Uh, in some cases, have, have jumped. Uh, but you know, in, in general, a lot of a lot of cash rents are negotiated over a longer period of time. And I have a lot of what I call legacy cash rents, where uh, you know they they you know they're personally acquainted. Uh, they haven't raised it quite to the market rate, or maybe there's some kind of uh, you know, agreement that, uh, you know, a, a share agreement that says, hey, if, you know, if, if we do better, we get, you know, X number of bushels or X number of dollars. Uh, so, but, you know, the, the thing about the cash rents increasing, it, it really hasn't kept up with the increases in land values. So, we, you know, we, we haven't seen a general 35% increase in, in cash rents. Uh, there have been individual uh, cases where that's happened, but 
you know, as, as a you know, as a general group, uh, you know, that that has not that has not occurred, and, and that results in you know capitalization rates, basically the the value of the property divided by the income or the income divided by the value. Sorry, uh, those those rates have gone down, so the the return on you know that that investment or that potential return uh, has gone down. Uh, you know, uh, as a result, cash is not keeping up with land values. Again, visit Compeer.com to learn more. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join us next month as we discuss what's happening with rural property. Compeer Financial, committed to serving agriculture and rural America. Learn more at Compeer.com.